Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 230 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is recognized as one of the most deft and knowledgeable cross-platform IT consultants in the world. He has been a Microsoft Most Valuable Professional since 2008 and has held the highest level of certification available for each version of SQL Server since 2000. He has also published dozens of articles and is an author of multiple books as well as a popular speaker. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Denny Cherry. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me. So, Denny, I wanted to ask you a little bit about being a Microsoft Most Valuable Professional. So, obviously, you've been you're, you've had that award since two thousand and eight. So, that's quite a quite a time. So, how did that come about? Yeah, so I mean, I've had the MVP award for twelve cycles now. The years have gotten a little muddled because of the way Microsoft counts years sometimes. So, it's all about uh, community support. So it's all about doing presentations at SQL Saturdays or at user group meetings or at conferences, you know, answering questions on blogs or on forums. So it's all about doing things that help the community. That's the the key towards towards being a Microsoft MVP. Right. Is that very much about sort of Microsoft technologies as well? It's very much focused on on what they do. Most of the MVP awards are going to be based on a specific Microsoft technology or Microsoft business area. So the SQL MVP award got renamed to data platform a few years ago. Um, so it's all about doing work in the data platform space. Um, there's an Azure one, there's a Visual Studio, or actually I think that was actually broken down to like C-sharp, ASP.NET, uh, Visual Basic.NET. There's Windows Server MVPs, there's Windows Clustering MVPs. There are a couple of MVP awards that are not tied to a specific product. So there's like a security MVP award that I believe a dozen or so people have. It's more about the profession of security and supporting that community rather than a specific Microsoft product. But almost all the the MVP awards are tied to a specific product. And if somebody wanted to actually sort of look towards becoming an MVP, what, what's the best way of doing that? This is one of the interesting things about the, the MVP program is there's no set number of things you have to do. So like you can't say, yeah, if you do these six things, you're going to be an MVP because um, it is on a sliding scale. So you're, you're effectively working against all the other people that, that are up for being an MVP in that month or in that year. But the, the key things are going to be uh, f- forum posts, blog posts, speaking. Um, these are the things that are going to make life the easiest as far as becoming an MVP. That said, I know plenty of MVPs that don't do any public speaking. Um, they only do blog posts, bugs through uh, user voice, and forum posts, and, and answering questions on MSN forums and stuff like that. On the flip side, there's there's MVPs that do a lot of public speaking and don't do really any forum posts. 
most of us riding these days. And then you've also got people like Ola Hannigan or uh, the now ex-MVP uh, Adam Mechanic, who basically their big claim to fame was they worked on specific pieces of software they put out there for the community um, that were have become incredibly popular, being you know Ola Hannigan's maintenance plans or SP who is active uh, in Adam Mechanic's case. Um, so those are other routes you could take, but obviously those are you know very edge cases on those last two. Sure. So the key to it is contribution. Exactly. It's it's all about community contribution and contributing back to everybody else out there and getting your voice heard that way. So, Denny, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not know and perhaps should? I'll default to the thing that I tell people the most, and that's if you're looking at getting into IT or becoming a DBA, don't try to find the part that's going to make you the most money. Look at the part and enter the part where you're the most interested and you think you can do the best and the money will follow. Um, I hear from a lot of college kids that are, that are just getting into IT, what field should I go into to make the most money as fast as possible? And I can pretty much guarantee you if you take that approach to get into IT, um, you're not going to make very much money because your career is going to stall out because you're not interested in what you're doing. You're just going to be doing this nine to five and that's yes. it. Where you can actually really excel at this is if you find something that interests you and that's where you're going to do the best. And that's where you're going to really strive to excel. And then the large amounts of money will hopefully follow you as you do that, um, as you excel at what you do. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Um, to hear that you, you do hear that from other people, that they're more interested in the financial reward than actually what they're doing. When somebody's coming in new, though, it's often quite difficult for them to actually be able to select an area that they are interested in, that they know they will be interested in because they haven't had the experience to know. Yeah, that, that does get into, into a little bit of a catch too. But if you start with an entry-level position, something like help desk, where you're going to be exposed to a lot of things, that can really help you pick kind of what's going to be the best the best area for you to, to be in. Yes, exactly, yeah. Okay, and Danny, can you tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Probably when I was working at a company 14, 15 years ago now, we sort of ran out of hard drive space on the entire SAN, and it took about three days to clean up because data was coming in about as fast as we could delete data. So we <laughs> right. um, yeah, sort of a problem. Um, so the company, uh, we were a desktop monitoring company. So we literally had screenshots, captures of emails, captures of instant message chats and stuff like that all coming in. And so those would come in from tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of computers throughout the day. And apparently the deletion script that the developer had written was not catching as much stuff as it was supposed to. And so we ended up running out of hard drive space and it took a few days for the deletion script that I had written to get to a point where we were no longer out of hard drive space because we delete, uh, you know, 8k picture yep. or however, whatever size the picture was for a screenshot. And then the next one would come in. Um, <laughs> so we were literally getting data in as fast as we could delete the data. Sure. Um, so the, the 
and we had given every byte of free space on the SAN to the file server, and we were still not catching up. That was probably the most scary thing I've had to deal with, just because it took so long to get to a point where we could actually get back up and running. Yep. That's a great example of where the efficiency and effectiveness of a piece of code can have a broader implication in terms of obviously your your file storage. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? The thing I'm most proud of is something uh, we as a company did last year, early this year, late last year. We wrote a case study about this. Um, we've been doing some work with the Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation. And if you don't know about them, they do a bunch of really great work uh, trying to help take care of folks with all their health care needs in, uh, I believe, it's 13 different countries in Africa. So obviously, there's a lot of overhead that has to go into that. And they don't know where all their money is going. And it takes a lot of time for them to figure out where all their money is going because everything's so spread out across all those countries. Um, so we were actually able to build a data warehouse for them and consolidate all the data they have from all those various countries. And I think there's 50, I want to say there's 5,900 clinics across those 13 countries. So we consolidated all that information into one data warehouse for them. And then we, we built a few Power BI reports on top of that, and we gave them the they had the ability to then build some more Power BI reports internally on that. And they've estimated that that data warehouse and the ability to build Power BI reports on that, and the fact that we can just feed in data every day from across Africa, uh, is saving them something like fifty thousand man hours a year. Yep. And so that translates to millions of dollars they can then redirect from administration costs to healthcare costs. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest things I've ever been involved in. Absolutely. Um, yes. In IT, because it actually involved saving people's lives. So, yeah, the effect in terms of the efficiency and saving of money and the redirection, presumably, of those funds has made a big difference to people's lives. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you work in IT, it's usually, you know, making widgets fly out the door exactly, faster. Exactly, yes. Um, so this, this was interesting to be able to be able to work on something that actually had an impact in people's lives yeah. for the better, not just, you know, sending widgets out the door. Yeah, exactly. That's great to hear. And what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in particular? So we're recording this on the day that SQL Server 2019 launched. Um, yeah. So, so there's definitely some interesting things that I'm pretty excited about just in that product and what some of those things are going to mean for companies um, that are out there that are going to be kind of deploying this stuff and the ability to have users be able to do reporting against various systems um, and bring all that data together through something like the SQL Server Big Data Cluster to to name a specific product that's going to be used here. And then they can build reports against you know all these systems that can't talk to each other, but they can through through this particular feature. That's I think going to be really really cool in probably the next year or two, because you can have end users creating reports to help their business in ways that IT never really envisioned. Um, we just kind of set this we can set these things up and let the users just go to town, and they can make reports 
giving different pieces of information that we never thought we as IT never thought should be related to each other, but the business people know how to make this data relate to each other. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. Definitely. Are there any directions that IT is taking that that particularly interest you? The fact that we've gone toward a much more self-service model than we were, well, say 10, 15 years ago, has, has been very interesting, I think, because we've been able to empower the users to make some of these decisions and to do some of the stuff that we used to have to have just in our IT realm, making reports, making charts. Um, they used to have to come to us in IT to figure this stuff out, and now we can just let them have at it, and we don't have to do this stuff anymore, and we can get get back to just focusing on keeping the systems alive and keeping the data pure and keeping the data safe. And we can let the users do things, do what they need to do in their own environment and, their own, and without you know worry of them taking the data outside the company because we've provided them nice, safe tools to use to, to do their own thing. Yeah. Do you feel that sort of movement of power towards the end user is going to make a difference to the roles within IT that exist in the future? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think that it's going to take some of the roles away from IT and move those roles back towards the, the business folks, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing or a scary thing. It's just This is the natural evolution of stuff. We can move this stuff towards the business user and out of the hands of IT. And you know, some people at IT may need to, to learn some new tricks. People that are doing, are doing reporting services today and, and giving that to their business they're going to have to, to teach some Power BI to their end users, but they're also going to be, be able to do a lot of those Power BI reports themselves because they're going to be some of the more complicated reports. Or there's going to be, still going to be reports and stuff that we don't want the business people to have access to, things like financial data or salary data, stuff like that. We can't have out in the world because we don't necessarily want every employee knowing how much the CEO makes or something like that. So there's going to be a lot of those specific cases where you know things still have to be done in IT, but probably by less people, because the business is going to be taking on a lot more of this. And it may be as simple as those IT workers are just going to have to tra- transfer to the business side of the world and still do the same thing that they have been doing, just with a different hat on. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Sure, bring it on. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? So I was literally born into this. Um, My dad was an executive at a computer company. So I got my first computer when I was like four. That would have been in 1982-ish. So I've pretty much always had a computer. I think for my birthday when I was like six or seven, maybe, maybe it was nine or ten, um, my dad got me a copy of Visual Basic for DOS for my birthday. Uh-huh. Um, so I've pretty much always worked with computers to, to some degree. So going into an IT, the IT field was just a fairly natural thing for me. Um, my first job outside of high school was working for Earthlink, the internet service provider and tech support. Um, and that's really how I got my, my actual start in IT. That was my first real, real job after school, after I graduated high school. Um, and then from there, I just kept on working in IT. Right. Yeah. I mean, four is a very young age to get started, definitely. <laughs> and probably not one I've heard before. 
Yeah, I mean, I, it helped being born at just the right time, just yep. right on the edge of when computers really took off. Yes. Um, and then dad, dad working in the computer company and making mainframes did not hurt. <laughs> not at all, I'm sure, yeah. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? Probably just to keep trying and keep doing stuff and keep trying different things. That's probably about the the most interesting and best advice I've, I've gotten. And it's very true. Just, you know, keep trying different things and keep, keep doing stuff. And, and eventually you'll find the thing that, that really interests you. Yeah. Um, I did not think I was going to be a DBA or well now cloud architect. When I, when I first started, I assumed I was going to be a programmer and then I assumed I was going to be a sysadmin. Um, and I ended up working data and really liking it. And, and really got to, got good at this whole like SQL Server thing. And conversely, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Uh, to keep working in something that you don't enjoy. I heard this numerous times, especially from managers who wanted me to keep doing what I was doing because it was making them look good. And that was just to, to keep working on something that I didn't like. And it took a while for me to realize that they did not have my best interest at heart. Um, it probably didn't help the fact that I was like 19 at the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because you, you know, when you're 19, you just believe all the adults that are around you. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would probably be the worst advice I had because those pretty much go together as well. If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? Oh God, I'd drive a truck. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, if I had to start my IT career today, I'd probably take a similar path to the one I took. Um, find something that interests me, in my case, data and SQL Server, um, and just focus on that as, as tightly as possible. And then once I have made a name for myself, then broaden out a bit to things that are related to that. So in my case, I went from SQL Server to data platform to all of cloud architecture. And that's kind of the path I took over the last, I don't know, five or six years. This is a friend of mine that I'm thinking of. He he took the approach of, approach of being a generalist and he became too generalized and it actually ended up becoming hard for him to find work because he was so general and so generalized at everything because he just did a little bit of everything. And I think what a lot of companies are looking for now is not necessarily the person that only does the one thing, but somebody that does one or two things really, really well. And then you do the other 20 things. Yeah. Okay. And that's usually good enough for that's what most companies I think are, are looking for these these days. Yes. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Um, right now, biggest career objective for me is continuing to grow my business. I'm in a weird space because I'm half working as a consultant and half working as a CEO of a fairly successful IT consulting company. So the tech part of me is just focusing on making my customers projects successful, um, be them Azure migrations or performance tuning on SQL server or performance tuning in Azure um, or whatever, whatever path I'm, I'm working on for that customer. And then the business side of, of 
what I'm working on is how do I continue to make the business that I have grow beyond the eight people we have today and making sure that we keep these eight people busy and paid. That's another big thing. Because oddly, oddly, people don't like working when they're not getting paid. Um, (laughs) And what is the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Listening to customers' requirements is probably the biggest non-technical skill. Um, And then being able to translate what they need into a technical set of requirements that either myself or somebody else can then implement. That's probably the biggest thing is being able to, get, to talk to a business user and go, yeah, so we, we need this, this website to be available in, you know, all over the, the U.S. And we need page, pages need to load like really fast. So make that happen. And then I need to be able to take that and go, okay, cool. So we need like three Azure web apps, we need some Redis cache, and we need some SQL DB behind it to actually store the data. And now we need to build the app to those to those specs. That's probably, I would say, the, the biggest benefit I've, I've got had recently is just being able to have both sides of that conversation. Yeah, that, that's a combination though, isn't it, of understanding and interpreting and implementing. It's a, a real mix. Oh, absolutely. And it's not a mix that everybody has. <laughs> so when you do find it, it's, it's a very specialized thing to find. Yeah. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Uh, lots of training, either at conferences or just online and going through docs and watching videos uh, on things like LinkedIn Learning or uh, Pluralsight to keep fresh on what what the new stuff is that that's coming. And God knows there's a lot of it. And then just going through the things like Microsoft Docs or AWS's Docs to see what all the things I have to, to figure out are and what all these new things, new pieces are that are coming out. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? So in what little spare time I have, which is <laughs> thankfully gotten a lot more of that since I got a salesperson to start working with us. Um, usually it's just riding my motorcycle and playing Xbox. Those are the two big things that I usually put down as the, what I like to do outside of work. Yeah. And Denny, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Find the thing that interests you in IT and use that to, to help launch yourself into what you're doing. Don't worry necessarily, and I know this is coming from somebody who's got 20-something years experience in this field right now, uh, but don't worry about necessarily selling right now that will come if you find the thing you're passionate about. A lot of things are going to be about finding what you're passionate about. Um, and then from there, success will follow. Um, don't try to find the success on a specific product or a specific platform or a specific technology without having the passion that goes with it. Cause you odds are you are not going to find success without the passion. Um, they just, you know, are going to go hand in hand. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Uh, so the easiest way to find find out what I'm doing, what I'm up to, is just go to our company webpage, uh, dcac.com. We put 
pretty much everything up there. I've got diarrhea in the mouth and I blog incessantly. <laughs> um, I think I've blogged every week for the last 10 or 12 years. Right. So I've got something like 1,700 blog posts just to myself. You can also find me on Twitter. Um, my username on Twitter is uh, Mr. Denny, M-R-D-E-N-N-Y. Or you can hit me up on Facebook, which is uh, facebook.com slash D-C-A-C. Or, sorry, that's a company one. This is a company one. Uh, Facebook.com slash Mr. Denny. That'll take you to my Facebook page. Great. Denny, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.